This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 3a, and then 11 through 32. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property and dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Never easy as a parent. How many are parents out there? It's never easy as a parent to let your kids make their own mistakes, right? Uh, and, but it's important that you kind of do that at some point. I remember my son Jack watching him trying to climb. We would go to the... Saturdays we would often go to McDonald's uh, and, because they had that big gerbil cage that the kids could run around in, right? And then I could read my paper. <laughs> so I was, I'm grateful to McDonald's. I know we're not supposed to like McDonald's, but I, I'm grateful to McDonald's <laughs> for those big gerbil cages. 
Anyway, Jack, the one near our neighborhood, Jack really couldn't get up into it. Uh, probably when he was like two, three years old, right? It was, he couldn't quite climb up onto the platforms. It was one of these ones you had to go. And uh, I watched him. It was kind of fun to watch him struggle and figure it like it was a little problem solving exercise watch him figure out how to you know put his hands in the little holes there and climb up over there it wasn't long before his little three-year-old brain figured it all out I, I will admit every once in a while I put my hand in one of the holes for him to stand on but uh, aside from that he kinda climbed and those were those were fun little problems to watch them resolve but I can guarantee you as our children get over, older, the problems they have to solve and the mistakes they make and the repercussions of those mistakes get so much harder and harder to watch. And in fact, uh, sometimes we do everything we can to stop it. And they still go out and make their own mistakes, don't they? They still do things that put themselves at risk and, uh, and, and really affect the whole household. It's tough to watch our, our kids go off and make their own mistakes. I was hard on my parents. My children are hard on me. And, but it is kind of the way it is. And here's this father that we read about today kind of going through that same thing that that all of us parents can relate to. Here's this ungrateful, little, spoiled, rich kid who's been given every opportunity, who's been given everything. But of course, he does, has no appreciation of how good he's got it. Does this all sound familiar? Right? <laughs> he has no appreciation of just how good he's got it. He has no appreciation of how easy it's been for him. He has no appreciation of how much love has been in that family, how much love the father has expressed to the son. And I'm sure there's a mom involved there somewhere, right? How much love and affection, or maybe not, I don't know, you never know. There's no mom mentioned, so maybe this is just about dads, right? How much love and affection has been poured out on this, this guy. And he, but he's filled with resentment about living at home. And he asks his father to do an extraordinary thing. Give me half of whatever you're going to give me when you die. It's basically saying, to be honest, I wish you were dead so that I could have half your estate now and go live my life. That's really what this son is saying to his father. I wish you were dead. And uh, that way I could get all this money. But he basically says, I want you to do whatever I have coming to me after you die. I want you to give that to me so that I can just get out of this place. And the father does it. Okay. It'd be the same thing as your daughter or son coming to you and saying, Hey, mom, dad, would you? I want you to empty half of your retirement account and your bank account and just give it to me so that I can just get out of your life. And I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to speak truth here to parents. There are days when it's worth it. <laughs> there are days when I'm like, to bargain at any price. <laughs> Am I right? Can I speak some truth? <laughs> 
But I'm sure this was a very painful thing. <coughs> and to the people listening to this story, they would have done kind of what I'm sure all of us are doing, going, no way. There is no way I would do that. And anyway, this father does it, gives him everything he has coming to him, and sends him on his way. And spends every day praying, every day worrying, every day frustrated, every day doubting whether that was the right choice to make, every day wishing he could take it back, having no idea what would happen. And the son, of course, enjoys that for a little while, but then gains a unique understanding. This is the payback, right? All of our children do this. <laughs> gains a unique understanding of just how good he had it, how good things were at home, and how much he misses his father and his household and all that it had for him. And he had fallen on very ugly, difficult times. It hit rock bottom. Uh, we know it's rock bottom because he was living among pigs. And he was jealous of the pigs. Right? For a Jewish boy, for a good Jewish boy like this, to live among pigs and then be jealous of the pigs, that's rock bottom. You've really hit the low point of your life. And he says to himself, and the, the text says, when he came to himself, oh, and maybe some of you, maybe some of you remember that moment when your child <laughs> finally came to him or herself. <laughs> uh, and maybe it's when they asked to move back in, right? <laughs> Which they all seem to do. <laughs> but uh, when he came to himself, he said to himself, you know what, I'm going to go home and ask if I can be a servant in my dad's household. Because even the servants live so much better than I'm living right now. So a much humbler son finds his way home. And he's coming up the walkway. And he's humble. But you know what? This, this story isn't really about the son. The story isn't about... I mean, it's a powerful message of a person who's, who's strayed and then came home, right? And for many of us, we hear this message and we hear that clarion call. Come home, come home. You who are weary, come home. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, come home. Oh, it's easy to hear that clarion call in this text to those of us who need to hear that. But I, I'm telling you, Jesus wasn't talking to those folks in this story. This story is not about the son coming home. It's about the father's reaction. It's about the father's reaction. The father who sees this son, this ungrateful, un undeserved, spoiled little brat 
who had nothing good to say to me, who had nothing to contribute to this house, who took and took and took. This father sees him far off and through tear-filled eyes goes running after him, grabs him and holds him to his bosom and just weeps with joy at how wonderful it is to see his little boy again. He didn't ask any questions at that point. He didn't have any. He had no idea. Maybe he was out of money and wanted more. He don't know. He don't care. He just just grabbed him and loved him. And then the son says, I'm, you know, he basically asks for forgiveness for his behavior. And the dad, in extravagant grace and over-the-top mercy, says, bring a robe to my son. Put a ring on his finger. Let us have a party and rejoice. Kill the fatted calf. Get out the best wine. We have got to celebrate. And basically, he returned his, it's like it never happened. It's like it never happened. What extraordinary grace. What over-the-top mercy God has for you and for me. What an amazing rendition of who God is in our life. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> but you know what? That isn't all this story is about. Right? It doesn't end there, does it? It's also about an older brother. And this is really who Jesus is directing this story to. There were Pharisees and scribes. There were good, religious, church-going folk standing there watching Jesus hang out with sinners, hang out with tax collectors, hang out with prostitutes. And they were wondering... You know, what is wrong with this Jesus? He's going down a bad path. Who does he think he is extending grace to these sinners? Does he not know who they are? Does he not understand how much they are to be despised? Does he not realize they should be shunned and not embraced? That they should be shamed and not loved? That they should... Go away. Does he not understand that? That's what these Pharisees were saying. And we have this older brother who's part of the story. Who hears all this revelry and stands outside and says, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He goes off and blows all of our money He's cut our, our estate in half. He goes out and blows it. Are you kidding me? And now we're throwing him a party. Count me out. And he sits out there and sulks. <laughs> and the father is, is amazed at this and comes out and says, what, What's the matter? What's going on? And the son says, He doesn't 
you never do anything for me. Look at what you're doing for him. Throw this big party, this guy who blew all your money on prostitutes. What is wrong with you? I'm not going in there. The father explains himself. You know, anything, I love you every bit as much as I love this other son. But do you understand that he was dead? But now he is alive. My son is alive. We have to celebrate. The story really ends there. Leaving it open. We don't know what the older son did. But he was filled with this resentment. Oh, that demon resentment. This is one of those harder things. Because it's such a huge weight we carry around. Resentment. When life is unfair and we can direct that feeling of unfairness towards somebody. Oh, what a weight. And the reason resentment's such a hard thing to deal with is because sometimes, it's quite frankly, it's justified. Right? Quite frankly, I think the older brother had a point. <laughs> Am I wrong? The older brother has a point. Uh, you know, the son and the father had this great reconciling reunion, and that's all great and all cheery, and there's tears shed, and it's, that's all wonderful and good. But you know what? This stuff affected the older brother too. It affected the whole household. You know, he lost a brother. He lost someone to do half the work. <laughs> and his inheritance, I mean, you know, the future of his estate was, I mean, cut in half. Their resources were cut in half. It affected everybody. And where was the teary reunion with the older brother, right? So, you know, it was a little unfair in a lot of ways. But at the same time, he's filled with this resentment. And it, this happens in the world we live in too. Somehow we convince ourselves that because someone else gets something, it somehow takes away from us. This goes for the spiritual world. It goes for civil rights. I've noticed in our state, sometimes we get this thing where People think that if someone else gets the same rights you do, that it takes away from them somehow. You know what I'm talking about, right? We get filled with this resentment about what someone else has that we don't. And, you know, it may be justified in some level, or it might just be jealousy. Or it might just be, they have, I don't, and I feel bad about it. And we direct that resentment toward a person. But it's such a heavy weight to carry. It's such a burden. And the other thing is, you know who it affects? It affects me. The dad and the son and all the servants, and all the neighbors, and all the friends, they were inside having a great party, <laughs> and enjoying each other's company, and rejoicing. And the son, filled with resentment, was standing outside, brooding, and sulking. He was the one being affected. Nobody else was. 
And he was missing out. He was missing out on what the celebration could be. I never understood. I have people in my extended family, in-laws, who, who have gone years without speaking to their siblings. I don't understand this. This, this fascinates me. I don't... And maybe they're justified, although if I were to ask them today, they probably couldn't tell you why they weren't speaking to half their family. I've never understood this severing of relationship. I mean, maybe you, know, maybe you need some distance, but the severing of a relationship, that's really what resentment brings. Either it brings a lot of tension into a relationship or it severs a relationship. But it's too heavy a burden to carry. Amen? Resentment is too heavy a burden to carry. And just as the invitation is posed to the Pharisees and the scribes who are in the room to let go of their resentment as displayed for us in the older brother, you and I, are also invited today to let go of those resentments that we have. We all have them somewhere. If not today, you will tomorrow. To let go of them. And I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how to tell you to do that other than it begins today in prayer. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, as we come to this prayer as we offer up ourselves and we ask God that You would take our resentments away, that You would take the weight and the burden of those resentments away. We ask for Your grace and Your mercy to shower on not only us, but everyone who needs it and put our hearts in the right place. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.